seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital, Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury's hearing about each baby in turn, and they've been told 14 babies were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby between June 2015 and June 2016. Today, in this episode, we're focusing on the 15th baby in the case, 
who the prosecution say Lucy Letby murdered during her first shift back at work after her holiday in Ibiza at the end of June 2016. This baby boy was a triplet, and he and his two brothers were identical because they shared a placenta. Now, while triplets themselves are rare, identical triplets, conceived naturally like these baby boys were, are even more unusual. So rare, in fact, it happens in just one in 200 million births. The prosecution say Lucy Letby didn't just murder Baby O, she also killed his brother, Baby P. She's accused of injecting both boys with air into their tummies and bloodstreams, causing them to collapse and die. Welcome to episode 23, The Triplets, part one, Baby O. So Liz, as we've said, our episode this week and next is about identical triplet babies born seven weeks early at the Countess at the end of June 2016. Specifically, Caroline, we're talking about two of the brothers, babies O and P, who sadly collapsed and died within 23 hours of each other. Today we'll explain that within just a few days of being born, both boys were allegedly attacked and died, and we'll unpick today what the jury was told. So the triplets were identical boys born prematurely at the end of June. The court heard that they were very unusual because they'd been conceived naturally and their mother did well to get to 33 weeks in her pregnancy before she went into labour. Here's how their mother described their births. In early January 2016, I became aware that I was pregnant. I was about 12 weeks pregnant when my scan was conducted. It seemed to take a bit longer than normal. My partner noticed that there was more than one baby in there. The nurse confirmed there were three babies. They asked us to come back the following day. The consultant Jim McCormick scanned me again and confirmed there were only one placenta and therefore the triplets were identical. We went to Liverpool Women's Hospital and I was scanned by one of the consultants there. She said everything appeared okay. She explained how unusual it was that the triplets had been conceived naturally and that they are identical because there was only one placenta. We were then scanned every two weeks and things progressed really well. I kept asking if my partner and I could have a look around the neonatal unit, but Mr McCormick said that if they were delivered, it would be unlikely they would stay at Chester, as there wouldn't be enough beds for three neonatal babies all at once. He said we could end up in Birmingham, Manchester or Bristol. He assured us we would only stay at Chester if there was space for all three babies and adequate staffing to care for them. At 33 weeks and two days, I went into labour. I was admitted to the Countess of Chester Hospital. It was decided I should go for a C-section. I went down to the theatre at 2pm and the boys were born at 2.23pm, 2.24pm and 2.25pm. I was only shown one of them. I didn't see the other boys until 7pm that evening. My partner and I had pre-named the boys so that when they came out we knew which one was which, due to the fact that they were identical. They were born at good weights. Baby P was £4.9, baby O was £4.7, and our surviving son was four pounds and two ounces. In recovery, I was brought three pictures of the babies with their names and weights on. So the babies were all good weights, but due to their prematurity, all three were admitted to the neonatal unit when they were around 20 minutes old. And the court heard they were doing well, but on June the 23rd, when they were just a couple of days old, things started to go wrong for the middle-born boy, Baby O. So just to keep up with the timings of all of this, as the jury have heard it in court, 
On June the 23rd, Lucy Letby came on duty at 7.30 in the morning, as usual, for a day shift. It was actually her first day back, after her holiday in Ibiza. She was given baby O and baby P to look after, and another baby not involved in the case. They were all in nursery two, and she also had a student nurse helping her. There were no other babies in the room, and their brother was being cared for by another nurse in nursery one. And according to a note written by Lucy Letby at around 8am, Baby O was receiving some breathing support, described as minimal. He had air entering his nose through a cannula. His heart rate and temperature were all normal. He'd begun his milk feeds, he'd had a course of antibiotics that had been stopped, and he was active and alert. Now, Dr Katazina Cook, a registrar who reviewed him 90 minutes later, also noted there were no nursing concerns. And it's probably worth saying here that throughout the morning, Lucy Letby and the male doctor who were calling Dr A, who we've heard had a close friendship, were messaging each other frequently as he was on duty in another part of the hospital at the time. Their messages have been voiced by actors. Clinic. Sad emoji. Boo. I thought something similar. Wink emoji. Are you here this aft? Yes, back after the clinic. Have fun. My student is glued to me, dot dot dot. Oh. Could be a challenge. This is what my morning is looking like. How exciting. No, it's a load of dot dot dot. Now now, bit rubbish that you couldn't stay on NNU. I've forgotten my sandwich. Can I go home? Still in holiday mode. There's a cheese roll you're welcome to. Probably not. Would you like me to write you a note? Lucy can't stay at work today because dot dot dot. Yes please, write yourself one too. To escape clinic. Do you want me to pick something up for your lunch? Clinic should be done in an hour. Tapas? It's okay, thanks. I've got a few bits with me. I suspect tapas might be a bit difficult. No problem. So the court's already heard several times from Dr A, but he was called back to give evidence again. He said that at around 1.15pm, Lucy Letby called him to see baby O because he'd vomited and his abdomen was swollen. His heart rate and breathing were also slightly elevated, so he decided to order some blood tests in case he had an infection. This is significant, the prosecution say, because it's their case that Lucy Letby caused this deterioration by injecting air into his feeding tube some time before. And not long afterwards, the shift leader, Mel Taylor, told the court that she was in nursery two with Lucy Letby when she had a gut instinct that baby O was deteriorating. She suggested they move him into Nursery One to be more closely monitored. But Lucy Letby was quite insistent he stayed with her in Nursery Two, Nurse Taylor said. I remember saying to Lucy, I don't think he looks as well as he did before. I asked whether she felt we should move him into N1 and she said no. She felt he was okay and wanted to keep him in two. She wanted to keep the triplets together. When I look back, I wonder whether I should have been more firm. I remember feeling a bit put out because she was quite insistent. I felt she was undermining my decision. She just said quite plainly, I don't think he should be moved. Then at around 2.40pm, shortly after Lucy Letby gave baby O some fluids, he suffered a profound drop in his oxygen levels and his heart rate also fell. Jurors were told Lucy Letby was alone in nursery two at the time and she called Nurse Taylor for help. Dr A was also called back. He found baby O's skin was very mottled and his abdomen was red and swollen. 
Dr A began giving Baby O oxygen via a mask and decided he should be moved into Nursery One to be more closely monitored. He also decided to intubate Baby O so he could be put on a ventilator to help his breathing. Dr Stephen Breary, the most senior consultant on the neonatal unit, who we've heard from before in the podcast, was not on clinical duties that day, but had been at a meeting in his office nearby. He offered to help with the procedure. And it was during this intervention that Dr Breary told the court he noticed baby O had an unusual rash on the right side of his chest. And again, you might remember the prosecution say this is significant because this rash has featured on several of the babies allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby over the course of this trial. The prosecution say this rash is linked to air being injected into the baby's blood or circulation. So the doctors stabilised baby O, but around an hour later, he suddenly collapsed again. Around that time, the court heard Dr A had left the nursery to update baby O's parents on his condition. Jurors were shown medical notes written by Lucy Letby, which revealed she again was the nurse who put out the crash bleep to Dr A for help. He was actually walking back to the unit and talking to another senior female consultant, who we can't name but are calling Dr B, about baby O in the corridor when he received the call, so both doctors rushed to help. They arrived at 3.53pm and again used an oxygen mask to boost baby O's heart rate and oxygen levels. Dr A said Dr Cook was also present and the decision was made to again change the tube in his throat and reconnect him to the ventilator. And he briefly stabilised for about 14 minutes, but at 4.15pm, while the doctors were still on the unit, he suffered a further dangerous collapse in his oxygen levels and heart rate. Dr Breary was called back to help. At 4.19, CPR began. Baby O also received two doses of adrenaline at 4.22pm and again four minutes later at 4.26 to stimulate his heart. And by the time Dr Breary arrived, around half past four, his heart rate and circulation had returned and his oxygen levels improved. Dr Breary prescribed some medicine to improve his blood pressure, but he continued to be very poorly. So the court heard once again baby O stabilised and an hour later, at around five o'clock, a decision was taken to baptise him. Dr Breary said that during his baptism, his heart rate fell yet again and doctors intervened to start CPR for a second time. Dr Breary told the court that by this stage, senior consultant Dr John Gibbs had also come on duty and he arrived as well to help. So by this point, five doctors were trying to save baby O. They gave him another six doses of adrenaline. But despite the wealth of experience in the room, their efforts were futile. Dr Breary told the court, Paediatricians can be quite humble people. Dr Gibbs and myself were both advanced paediatric life support instructors. I am a neonatal life support instructor. There was lots of experience in that room and we were well supported by the nursing staff, but we didn't get a response. Eventually, Liz, after 25 minutes of CPR and following discussions with Baby O's parents, the decision was taken to stop resuscitation. Support was withdrawn at 5.47pm and Baby O was placed in his mother's arms and he died soon afterwards. In a statement to the court, the triplet's mother described what she'd witnessed. On June 23rd, a doctor came onto the ward and said Baby O's stomach had swollen and he was needing help to breathe, so they had put a tube down his throat. He said it was normal and nothing to worry about. I got in my wheelchair and went down to the unit. By the time we got down there, it was a scene of chaos. 
Baby O was back in nursery one and lots of medical staff were rushing around. I remember the nurse Lucy was there all the time. Lucy seemed to be looking after two of the boys. The staff seemed to be in a state of panic. I just sat outside the nursery. I couldn't bring myself to go closer. My partner was closer to what was going on. Baby O kept arresting and he changed colour, which I saw later with Baby P. He was swollen all over his body and the doctors were struggling to get injections into his veins. So eventually, they injected straight into the bones in his shins. At some point, another doctor called Steve arrived. I think he was one of the main doctors. He told me that things weren't looking good for baby O, and if he did manage to survive, he would likely have brain damage. So it might be best if he didn't survive. This went on all afternoon, and eventually, baby O passed away at about 5pm. This whole episode had come as a bolt out of the blue. On the face of it, everything seemed to be going so well for the triplets. It was never explained to us how this sudden downturn in baby O's health happened. As a family, we were naturally devastated. Baby O's father was interviewed on video by the police following his son's death. He also described seeing a rash or discoloration on his swollen belly. The exchange begins with the detective and has been voiced by actors. Tell me about the bits you can remember of June 23rd. We'd been down to see them. They were all okay, and we'd come back up. We hadn't been up long when I think we got a phone call or a nurse came in and said we'd go back down as soon as possible. Do you remember who that was? No, just a nurse from my partner's ward. She just said, I've been asked to tell you to go back downstairs. There's something going on. She didn't give us any bad or good information, but straight away we both panicked. When we got down there, it was pandemonium. Can you remember what they told you about Baby O? What his issues were? No, not 100%. I think we got told something to do with his stomach swelling. I'm not sure they said that from the off. They just said we're not sure what's going on, but we'll try our best. His stomach was definitely swelling at one point. Can you remember anyone giving you a reason why? No. Also, at another point, all his veins, you could see them, all bright blue, going different colours. His whole body looked like it had really, really bad prickly heat that got worse. When it went down again, it was literally like you could see something through his veins. Do you remember what the medical staff were doing? No, not really. There was something wrong with his temperature at one point. I don't know whether he was too cold or too hot. They put a plastic bag over him. I don't know whether it was to warm him up or to cool him down. It was to regulate his temperature in some way. I remember lines being put in, all different kinds of drugs being put in. At one point, it was like they were trying anything. Did witness Baby O's stomach? It was like E.T.'s stomach, like a pot belly. I think it had gone down. It did not stay up. That started happening with his veins, and towards the end, that's when they put the bag on. How long did the ordeal go on for? Ages. They must have been fighting with him for the best part of an hour. It seemed a good long time. At some point, Baby O passed away. There must have been a conversation between you and the doctors. Can you remember that? It was Dr B who did the talking, which led me to think she was the boss. She didn't have an explanation for us. There was nothing she could say. She couldn't give a reason why he passed away. She was quite upset and dead apologetic. She said, there was nothing more we could do. We tried everything. She said, we haven't got the answers right now, but we will get to the bottom of this. So Baby O's father described in quite graphic detail in his interview the discoloration or rash that he'd seen on his son's body as doctors were battling to save him. And Dr Breary told the court he initially assumed the rash was a result of Baby O developing a sepsis-like infection. Yes, but he told the court that he'd later dismissed this theory because the rash later vanished and blood tests which came back after his death were clear. Following Baby O's death, Lucy Letby spent time writing up her notes 
and eventually she left the hospital and started walking home at about 9pm. And as we've seen in the other cases, she began texting friends and colleagues about what had happened. This next WhatsApp exchange with a nursing colleague who we can't name begins with Lucy Letby and has been voiced by actors. Lost a triplet today. Being shit. Kiss. Fucking hell, what happened? Blew up abdomen. Think it's sepsis. Went very suddenly. IO access. An abdominal drain. How many weeks? 33. Assuming they all seem stable if had all three? Yeah, we're all fine. This one's still on Optiflow, but weaning and all fully fed. Two times twelve. Jesus. Had big tummy overnight, but just ballooned after lunch and went from there. Big hugs. They treating all of them with more anti-bees then, or think just that one? Yeah, other two being re-screened and gases etc, just in case. As not really sure what caused collapse. I want to be in Ibiza. Sad face emoji. Poor parents. Bloody tragic news. We don't have any luck with 33 to 34 weekers. Awful, no. Not a good gestation. Hope other two have an easy ride now for parents' sake. Worry as identical. Wow, identical triplets. Didn't know that even happened. Lucy Letby also spent most of the evening, around four hours until half past one in the morning, chatting to Dr A on Facebook about what had happened on the shift and the death of baby O. We detailed a lot of these messages in our bonus episode, episode 21, a week or so ago. Now, Dr Brewery was asked about any concerns he had following the death of baby O and if they might have prompted him to take any action. Dr Brewery said he was concerned because all three triplets had been born in good condition. He said they were following a healthy path to growing and developing when baby O deteriorated, out of the blue. Dr B also told the court she was shocked by his sudden collapse as did nurse Christopher Booth, who said his death took everyone by surprise because he looked like a baby who would sail through. And Dr Breary said doctors who treated him could find no natural cause for his death. He said the fact that he'd had two drops in his oxygen levels and heart rate while on the ventilator was exceptionally unusual. He also described the rash as like nothing he'd ever seen before or since. And he told the court he was planning to escalate his concerns to hospital managers the following day. But before he had chance, baby O's brother, baby P, began to deteriorate. And this is important because it's the prosecution case that Lucy Letby also murdered him, less than 23 hours after his brother. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Lucy Letby denies murdering or harming any babies. So, Liz, what did Ben Myers, her KC, say about what happened to baby O? So, Dr. Breary was subjected to a lengthy period of cross examination by Mr. Myers. He reminded jurors that Dr. Breary and his colleagues had first linked Lucy Letby to the collapses and deaths back in June 2015 and he suggested that they were guilty of bias towards her and her behaviour from that point on. And like in some of the other cases we've heard about, Mr Myers again suggested the triplets had received suboptimal or poor care at the unit, which had staffing issues. Dr Breary admitted NHS care was not perfect, but said reviews carried out into the cases of all the babies who died and collapsed did not suggest their outcomes would have been any different with better treatment or more staff. And like in previous cases, we also heard Liz from the prosecution expert witnesses about what they say happened to baby O. That's right, Dr Dowie Evans said it was his opinion that baby O was attacked and injured three times on June the 23rd before his death. Firstly, he said air was injected into his feeding tube, causing him to vomit and his tummy to swell before Dr A was called to see him around 1.15pm. Secondly, at some point he was also compromised by a traumatic injury to his liver, which caused internal bleeding, Dr Evans said. This was only discovered when a post-mortem was carried out after his death. But it was an air embolus, or air being injected into his bloodstream, sometime before the 2.40pm collapse that eventually killed him, Dr Evans concluded. Mr Myers pointed out that in Dr Evans' first report on the case, which he'd written in 2018, He'd claimed the rash or discoloration seen by Dr Breary on baby O's chest could have been bruising linked to the injury to his liver. The barrister said he made no mention of air embolus and accused the expert of chopping and changing his theories and coming up with air embolus to fit the allegations. But Dr Evans disagreed. He said he'd changed his mind about the rash in 2019 after learning from doctors that it had vanished before baby O's death. This would not have happened if it had been caused by internal bleeding or bruising, and he now believed it was a result of air in his circulation, Dr Evans said. Mr Myers also suggested the vigorous chest compressions carried out on baby O to try and save him could have caused the liver injury. But both Dr Evans and the other expert, Dr Sandy Bowen, told the court that they'd never seen liver damage from CPR. She agreed with Dr Evans that injections of air into baby O's tummy via his feeding tube, and into his bloodstream were to blame for his death, and she pointed to x-rays taken before and after his death, 
which showed huge amounts of gas in his bowel and blood vessels. She told jurors she could find no innocent reason for this. In her police interviews, Lucy Letby denied murdering baby O. She suggested babies receiving support with their breathing could gulp air into their tummies and that mottling of their skin could be down to an infection or poor circulation. She said baby O's death was unexpected and when asked if she had harmed him, she replied, it wasn't me. So that's it for episode 23. Listen out for the bonus episode later this week, where we'll explain that Dr Breary asked for Lucy Letby to be removed from the ward, but that request was refused. We'll also be back next week, as usual, to tell you about Baby O's brother, Baby P. He died on Lucy Letby's next shift on duty, less than 23 hours after his brother. I'll be in court to listen to the evidence, and you can read my daily reports in the mail and on Mail+. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialoflucyletby at gmail.com. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. Oh, God, you find me, Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I know about me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again. Because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah... I remember that being really stressful. 
Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.